Welcome to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where we hear real stories from real men living real lives. I'm your guide, Ned Shout. Fatherhood is not only about being a dad, it incorporates providing and serving a home, loving and serving a spouse, engaging and serving in a community, as well as intentionally serving your kiddos. Fatherhood is an adventure, one full of fun, wild, and most definitely messy stories. In this podcast, we will hear stories from real men who have found themselves living the adventure of fatherhood. I so enjoyed listening to my friend Anthony talk about fatherhood. So amazing hearing him talk about how intentional he is in his opportunity to parent stepkids. He talked about the process of choosing to marry a woman who had children from a previous marriage and the process of that and life with that and how to go about it and really own it. And truly, this dude enjoys life, enjoys his job, enjoys his community, and he seems as though that he really just wakes up each day choosing to enjoy his life. And I hope you enjoy this conversation around fatherhood. I hope you hear his passion towards life. And I hope it rubs off on you a bit. Enjoy this conversation around fatherhood. All right, here we are. Another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes with my friend Anthony. Anthony, what's up, man? Oh, just... uh... Hanging out on another Friday. Dude, it's so beautiful out. It's super fun to sit here with you. We actually have never hung out, just you and I. But we've met through my brother. My wife is friends with your wife. So we've seen each other at a few events. And there's a particular moment where I was like, this guy is an incredible dude. and I want to get to know him. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, it's good to uh, sit down and have a one-on-one with you. I agree. Yeah, man. And just even talking beforehand, dude, you just seem like such an intentional dad. I'm excited for people to hear your perspective on fatherhood and how you've embraced fatherhood. Oh, I'm excited to share it and hopefully uh, listeners out there get something good out of it. I'm sure they will. I think that you're probably a pretty funny guy too, so we'll see what happens there. Um, Okay, so to kick it off, so people get to know you and I get to know you a little bit better, how old are you? I'm 36. 36. And how long have you been married? Um... April will be actually two years. Okay. Dang, two years ago. Wow, time so, flies, man. really, my wedding was February a year ago, but... Okay, so that's the wedding I went to. Yeah, that's the wedding you went <laughs> okay, to. Okay, I was but, like, that was um, in two years ago? My wife and I actually got married in April the year before that, and we just didn't tell anybody. So did um, anybody ever know? Yeah, my grandparents were there. They were in town to... Uh, join us and witness a ceremony they weren't going to get a chance to make it to the real wedding so um well the faux wedding yeah we (laughs) yeah we invited them to come up to the uh, courthouse and join us in a ceremony in april uh the year before we had our wedding and so we kept it a secret um pretty well from everybody that we were married what about uh, your parents Everybody. We kept it a secret Dang. from everybody. Grandparents only? Grandparents only. Wow, that's pretty special. So we had our reasons behind that, but it was um it it wasn't until our actual wedding that we chose to share with our family that we had actually already been previously married. How did they respond to that? Um we <laughs> thought we'd have some negativity, but there wasn't. It oh, was, that's cool. Uh, People were like, whatever. Yeah. They're excited. Well our wedding was awesome yeah such a fun party so how wait a second though how close to your faux wedding did you tell like your parents and stuff like hey actually we're already married Uh, i didn't i waited until we were after our wedding oh you waited till after (laughs) well it's like during the wedding it's kind of like hey so uh we've actually been married for a while that's funny dude i love it okay and how many kids do you guys have um my wife and I have three right now and one on the way. So the three we have are my stepchildren. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one on the way is my first. Uh, the oldest is a boy. He's about to turn 12. Uh, so sixth, I, no, seventh grade? Sixth grade. Okay, sixth grade. Yeah. Uh, then the two middle uh, are the girls, and they are eight and six. Eight and six. Okay. And then and then a, 
boy on the way. Yeah, my first boy. My uh, first kid, and I got a boy. Luckily, I made a boy. There you go. Pretty and, exciting about and that. And due date is when? Uh, June 1st of 2020. So around the corner, bro. It's coming in hot. So exciting. Oh, so exciting. Okay, rad. And then, um, okay, been married a couple years. Three kids, one on the way, not wasting any time. What do you do on a daily basis to provide for the family? So where do you find yourself? What kind of work do you do? Uh, I work for the county and up in Nevada County. Okay. Um, I'm a wastewater worker, so I work with poop. Ooh, fun. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's actually a very, very secure job. I'm sure everybody's going to keep pooping forever. Yeah. That's why I say it's a secure job. No, <laughs> uh, you know, no one's... Uh, no one's going to quit doing that. So I will, I will always have a job, there which security of a good job is important these days. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Okay, cool. Um, so as you've stepped into being a stepdad and about to be a dad, what has been, a, you know, about to have a experience going through having a son, your wife have a son, what has been some of the resources that you've had um, being, a, being a father, stepfather? Oh, uh, that one's kind of tricky i find myself to be quite self-reliant a Mm -hmm. lot of times i go with uh what i've experienced in life i go so did you when you say with what you've experienced in life do you feel like you had good examples of fatherhood um i do i feel like i have had multiple examples of, of good fathers in my life um whether that be from my father or an uncle who was like a father to me yeah um I have, you know, a lot of friends around me that have been dads a lot longer than I have. Okay, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that I'd necessarily reach out to them for guidance as much. So it's almost like seeing how people do it and take what you like and then don't do what you didn't like. Discard the rest. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. So a new question, Um, you're my guinea pig on this, is so we thought we would email spouses and so... I emailed your spouse to ask questions. So I got a few questions. Oh, no. <laughs> and so one of the things, and I just thought it would be fun, is, you know, what corks are there? And so one of the corks that Amy shared with us was that when you're driving, you'll hold your finger on the volume button of the radio for long periods of time. And nobody knows why you don't change the volume. You just, so we kind of would like, just take a quick minute to get to the bottom of that. Why do you, why do you do that? Uh, control. Control. <laughs> control. So just in case anybody were to reach over and change the volume? Um, I'm quick to turn it down. Somehow I turned into my dad and loud volume bothers me. Oh, so you want the control to be able to turn it down? Is that so that you can say something? Or because maybe there, you're, there's like another car you're frustrated with and so the, the volume of the music is... Or, no, you're just shaking your no, head. No, it's just a weird... It's just a weird uh, weird quirk so i guess she, does she ever call you out on it like hey, oh why? yeah she's okay. she's told me about it several times while we're driving the other thing and i told her this the i guess the grade the the feel of it i oh. run i run my finger around it the whole time so you just got one hand on the wheel and the other finger on the volume button as kind of like a like a like a twitch like a just kind of a thing that you do yeah i hope they don't make that illegal like holding your cell phone you can't play with the volume that wouldn't be good for you yeah don't change your cd oh wait <laughs> people don't have those anymore it's a cd right um okay all right there's a, there's a one cork we'll ask you about all right so this podcast is fatherhood field notes so it's you know men sitting down and sharing their life opening up their field notes what have they experienced you know we're talking about we've already opened up you have three step kids We're going to talk about what that looks like a little bit. And so the idea is, you know, us men are hopefully going out every day serving our families. We're not spending the kind of quality time we should with each other where we could really gain knowledge from each other. Um, A lot of times I think we find ourselves just joking around a lot because we all know life is messy. So I talk about it. So this is kind of a time to pause and talk about it Um, and then rebel and create. It's on the wall around you and It's my mantra and it could be applied to anything, but it's to rebel against something, but not just for the sake of like wrecking something, but to make something, create something beautiful out of it. So what's something that you are currently 
rebelling against? One of the ideas that I would like to start with in the rebel side of things is the idea that stepdads out there, like for me, when I became a stepdad, it was kind of like, you know, I'd have coworkers or, um, you know, friends of mine say, it's like, oh yeah, you're a stepdad. You know, it's like, you're not a real dad. Mm, Made you feel a little less than. Well, yeah. And kind of like, just because you haven't had one of your own children that you don't get the full, you know, effect of being a parent. And so I know that, you know, as time has gone on, that's an idea that I want to rebel against. Mm. And I want to, you know, kind of change the outlook, change the idea that, you know, as a step parent, that you are not a real parent, that you're not, you know, if you don't have a kid of your own, that you're not equal to someone that does have, you know, children of their own. And what are some of the things in rebelling against that, that you hope to create? Is it more for your own feeling secure or is it something else? I think a little bit about it, you know, is, you know, you saying that secure. Yeah. Anytime that I can give myself a confirmation that what I'm doing is right or that what I'm doing is, is the right track to success that, you know, adds to a foundation of success. But, but for sex, success for who? Um, success in being a parent. Mm. Um, whether that be, well, and not just success for being a parent, but for being a spouse, for being mm. um, a, a good human. Yeah. And so I think that having the ability to prove, not, uh, not, I guess not necessarily proof, but having the ability to show yeah and hearing you talk before like as we kind of wrapped up we're like setting up and stuff hearing the way you talk about your stepchildren it's you look at it as an enormous opportunity to be a parent and not to replace anybody but that you you want to take it serious because you know you have an opportunity to help shape humans right right and so it's like yeah one i think yeah all of us want to feel like we matter Right. But the way I hear you saying it isn't that you'll feel you'll matter so that other people go, oh, he's a great dad. But it's the outcome that you're looking for. And right. That's the kids. Right. And that's, you know, I guess that's what everybody has their individual idea of what being a good parent is. <clears throat> right. And so for me, I take and go, you know, OK, this is what I think being a good parent is. And then I want to be able to apply that so that I can raise what I think good kids are. Yeah. What do you think a good parent means? A lot of things. What's a couple examples of like, if you look at somebody and you're like, they're a good parent. What are some of the qualities that they have? Or some of the actions, I guess. Qualities or actions that they're taking. Well, when I take from my experiences and I I think about what were the good qualities my parents had. Mm. um, You know, my mom raising me as a single mother. Uh, not that my dad wasn't around, but my, my mom was always striving um, to do whatever necessary to keep the roof mm. over our head, keep food in our mouth. It, it seems like those are just the necessities, you know, of being a parent. But just seeing that as a kid, you know, knowing that your your parent is working hard, that they are um, always busy. You know, and so those type of things. So busy providing, taking care of, doing the things that are like a family needs to do. Right. Yeah. So you said your mom was a single parent, but that your dad was around. So what do you mean by that? Uh, I come from a split family. And so, um, you know, my parents divorced when I was young and my mom had more custody of us, me and my sister, than my dad. And so we spent most i would say probably about 75% of our time maybe more with our dad with our mom than mm. our dad and so my dad was in every other weekend visit and so um my mom did the majority of of raising my sister and i until we were 18 but it sounds like however involved your dad was you said before that he he did still teach you 
So you very felt, much. So you so even with his involvement, you know, whatever the circumstances were, sounds like he still was intentional with the time he had with you. Absolutely. Interesting. What are some of the things? Okay, so you learn from your mom, you know, this quality that you're bringing into your own parenting of being busy with the right things, you know, meaning work, play, take care of, which I'll just say another thing that Amy had said in, in, in the questions we sent to her was how involved you are with your kids, helping them with their homework, um, teaching them life skills, like stopping to spend time to teach them. So is that something you learned more from your mom or your dad that it was also part of your responsibility to to come alongside and like help with homework and stuff and not just say, hey, I worked all day. It's not my responsibility. No, that definitely goes back to my mom. I mean, mm-hmm. my mom took the time to sit down with us and do those things. Interesting. And so, you know, those were fundamental to me. So I think they're fundamental for my kids. But what's cool is why don't you think that's just the woman's role? Um, I don't think that gender has matters in parenting. Dude, that's really cool. Okay. I think that there's, that's another rebel idea. You know, um, my sister and my brother-in-law have switched roles. He's a stay-at-home dad. Oh, cool. And she's the, you know, go to work. Yep. And it actually works better for them. It works well for them. Uh, She has three kids, and I have seen it work for the last 10 years. Wow. And society has a view that, oh, you know, hey, the man needs to be at work all the time and, you know, needs to work hard in this. Well, he does. He does exactly that. He works hard raising his kids, getting them to school. What a stud. He is a stud. He's a great parent. Um, So what I love about it is, like, yes, your mother taught you that trait, but the way that you retain that trait as a man and human is that that's what you do as a parent, not that that's what you do as a mother. Right. Which is cool. Super cool. Um, because, man, I think it's so critical for dudes. Like, I know majority is dudes work. Absolutely. Right? And, and, you know, a lot of homes, the wife works too. Oh, these days, uh, you, if yeah, you live in California, it's hard you to have survive. To, uh, yeah. <laughs> dual income is the only way to make it anymore. So then it's both parents responsibility but really i think there's something some something important too that's cool when the dad comes and sits alongside the kid and helps them with their homework and stuff like that well and it's a shared responsibility thing i mean if i'm doing that my wife's cooking you know you guys are a team yeah and if she's you know if she's sitting down with the kids because i'm cooking then that's the trade-off and there's no schedule there's just it's that's one of the reasons i feel like my wife and i are such a good team is because we just pick up we just pick up each other's slack where we see it and it's not at request. It just happens organically. It just kind of comes together and we just kind of flow. Do you keep record in your head of how much slack you picked up? No, I more keep record of how much less I do or how much less I feel I do sometimes because I pay so much attention to how much she does. Did you plan that answer? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, my response to her regularly is, I think I'll try to do some more dishes because you've done them more than me lately. And let's face it, she's six plus months pregnant. She can't get that close to the sink anymore. <laughs> it's a stretch. Well, man, that's cool because I think so much of us, we, we, we keep record, not just of wrong, but we keep record of how much we put into something versus how much somebody else did. And I think if we just switch the role to really look, because then if you're doing that, the other, your partner's doing that. And you both have these weights. If you switched it and you thought, man, what does their scale look like? What's everything they did? Then you start to recognize, you know what? This is probably a lot more equal than I thought. I should just step up my game and be well, engaged. And what I wonder is where does the comparison, if that's what it is, you know, my side, their side, um, where does it become a comparison? Why does weighing it out, you know, why is it one side of the scale or the other to me? Because we're both on one side of the scale mm. in my head, you know, we're, and that's it. We're not, a, it's not a scale. It's, we're the bottom of the foundation. And are we both putting blocks down? Isn't, isn't so, necessarily where I want to think about it. It's, 
that we're both there and we, you know, it's not judgment about who's putting blocks down. It's yeah. about that we're both there just putting blocks down. All right. So this leads me to why we're even talking today. You know what? Hang, let me pause for a second. You said something a minute ago. You said you came from a split home. Yeah. And before we recorded, you mentioned that word to me and I was like, whoa, I never heard that. And you had said, yeah, I've always referred to that I grew up from a split home, not a broken home. Right. Let's talk about that for a minute. I think that is enormously beneficial for people who find themselves with a split home. Right. So a broken home to me, broken has that connotation of something needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I, I would say a split home, you know, because, yeah, my parents were separated uh, at, at a young age for me. And, you know, as an adult, I can look back and go, that was, you know, they, they split up, they divorced. Mm-hmm. So, but you look at it as it was healthier that way than if they would have stayed together. Absolutely. But did you look at it that way as a kid? Um, yeah. Really? Yeah, I did because, you know, whether it was ingrained in us that, Hey, the relationship we were in, this would be my mother speaking the relationship that we were in was unhealthy for me, therefore would be unhealthy for my ability to, you know, maintain raising you and your sister. Mm. Um, so she was just real open about it then with you. Very. But it sounds like it wasn't in a um, bad mouth your dad kind of way. Um, there was some of that, but nothing that ever, nothing that I look back on and, and. Thought she was like trying to put a wedge in or something. Right. That's good. So I love that because the reality is our world has this epidemic of divorce. And sometimes the answer isn't just stick it out. And I would say that more, you know, people should really fight for their marriages. Don't give up on your marriage. I agree. But in the case that it is unhealthy, it's unhealthy for you, it's unhealthy for your kids, and you fought and you gave it your all and you're at the end. I really love the the conversation with your kids about it being a split home and not a broken home because this isn't just something that we have to fix. This is just the next step. Right. And I mean, hey, who the, doesn't want more Christmases? <laughs> and it leads you to go there isn't something wrong with you. I just think that it's a more positive spin on it and I like the word split home better. Well, and that's it kind of goes back to the idea that broken needs fixing and my home doesn't need fixing you know it's there's there's nothing wrong with it it's good the way it is i like it man everything can always use improvement but that's just that's I think, life i think that's the word insatiable we always want more we're human we desire more i think we were made for progress you know for progress for growth uh, but life is messy, so sometimes there's things that are roadblocks. They're not necessarily life enders. And I think sometimes we just look at things too much like, this is the end, life is over, I'm broken. Yeah. And that's not the case. Yeah. One of the one of the things that was coming to mind while we were talking about that was the create side of things. So rebelling against the idea of, of you know, step back to the stepfathers yeah. not being real fathers thing one of the things that i hope to create is a realization for not just my kids but for anyone out there to realize that as a step parent we have a huge impact we have the ability to um add to parenting mm-hmm. um an additional, you know, we have that ability to add our influence on, on a child. And so, you know, whether they get that from, from both of their biological parents or not, um, stepping in as a step parent really gives a kid an additional opportunity to learn some, learn from someone else, learn. If that stepdad or new parent is intentional yeah it takes that opportunity so that leads me to what i want to do is like why do you care why have you chosen to be intentional and what what led to all of this was when i went to your wedding 
um, you know, I went and my wife is friends with your wife. And of course, my wife chose to take me as her plus one. And so we're there enjoying great time. And your vows, <clears throat> your vows were, I cried. I'm a crier. Super intentional. And, and I don't want to say that some people just say really nice stuff at their weddings to say really nice stuff. That's what weddings are, is we, we're making promises. But when you spoke and you shared, it was it felt very true. It felt very real. The way that you spoke about how much you love her um, is vulnerable. And the way that you spoke about how much you loved her children, now your children, and the way that you spoke to them that you hoped that they would open up their hearts to love you and that you would really, you didn't feel like you were stepping in as like, this is my new role, accept it. It was, I want to be the person that you want to accept. Right. And that's, I like I said, before we started the podcast, we had, I had a chance to reread my vows recently because okay, we, okay. we did uh, just come upon our year anniversary. And so I got my vows out and reread them and they actually made me cry i thought wow i wrote this <laughs> but um <laughs> the the part that was you know that i reread was when i talked to the kids you know i wanted them to realize like i'm not i'm not coming in to replace your dad I'm, you know i'm not coming in to try and take that role mm. but what i wanted from them was to give me the opportunity for me to show them that I can love them the way I love their mom and and to promise and to vow to them that I will be there for them as equal to their mom and so I had asked them in those vows I'm not just asking your mom to marry me I'm asking you guys to marry me too and that to me was I remember when I was writing it I was serious I want yeah, I want felt those very serious. I want those kids to know that I'm not just it, it wasn't just about their mom. You know, long before I thought about asking my wife to marry me, all of those things went through my head when it came to you know, what am I what am I stepping into, you know, and and what does this mean? What sacrifices am I making? What, you know, benefits am I gaining by coming into a marriage? with a woman who has three kids mm -hmm. and so with all of those things in mind it was well it was game over when I fell in love with the kids it really was so that's the thing so you you met you met Amy and you like her you date whatever you find out she has three kids you go this is this is worth pursuing still and then how do you fall in love with somebody else's kids and then decide to make them your own and then go, their dad is also still in the picture. I mean, there's a lot to that and this is the world we live in. Right. And you could have just said, nah, and missed out on an amazing marriage and an amazing set of children that you get to parent. Um, so that's a lot that I just threw out there well, at you. Well, to, to answer that question is, how did it happen? How did I fall in love with those kids? How did I know? Um, if you saw my youngest at three years old. So, because you've known, because, so she's six now. So she's six now. So if you, if you saw the youngest at three years old, climb up in your lap and put your head, put her head on your chest while you're watching a movie. Um, when you have no kids of your own, that's the greatest feeling in the world. Hmm. And there's... Uh, to any parent out there that has had that, they can understand that. And so to not have children of my own, to have that from a three-year-old, it feels like unconditional love. Mm. And to experience that is, was, is and was one of the most beautiful things there is. To have them slip up and call me dad, you know, when they don't mean it, but they run into, hey, hey, dad. And then it's like, or I mean, Anthony, and it's like, it's still just a slip up. It feels good. And so that yeah. was one of those things that, you know, I, I waited till I was 34 years old or 33 years old to 
take on this role as a, a stepfather, if you will. And so I've, I've... Well, you're 34 now, right? 36. Oh, 36 now. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so yeah, you were 33 when you stepped into this role. Right, and at, at that point... I knew at some point I would have I would want to have kids of my own and that was something that my wife and I had discussed when we first got together you know and that was something that she asked you know is this is this something that you may want and because it was still possible for both of us to have kids you know I was took it upon myself to really engage and feel the situation and go you know how does this work to to judge and I hate that word judge, but to judge her as a parent and go, would this work? Is this mm. someone who I would want to to be, um, you know, co-parenting my own children with? And it was a no-brainer because she's an amazing mother. But that's a great question that I don't even know that a lot of dudes are asking themselves when they're out pursuing a, a girlfriend or a partner. Is, is this person somebody I see myself having children with? Right. That's if that question alone was to step into the heads, I think women first would act different because of the way that we are acting. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we set this other tone that this isn't just about la la land and being a knucklehead, that there's like real lives at stake going forward. Right, and that comes with maturity. I feel like uh Yeah, we need people to grow up. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like as time goes on in life for me, it was kind of like, hey, you know, even even dating uh, when my wife and I first started dating, I, you know, I said, hey, we're in our 30s. Let's not waste each other's time. You know, if if we like each other and this works, let's pursue it. If if it doesn't or doesn't feel right, you know, take the shoe off and buy new shoes. And and so to me, a lot went into you know, mentally making that decision of. Yeah, you seem pretty. Okay, so you seem pretty in tune with relationship, like the way you talk about relationship, the way you talk about your wife, the way you talk about the kids. Okay, so you seem like you know what you want. You seem like you're ready to do this for the rest of your life. How did you get there? So you're 33. Well, 33 let's just say up until 33 so you gained um, a lot of wisdom in your 20s I, I i went through enough um it's hard to say you know what you want in life in your 20s mm. but i went through enough things prior to my relationship with my wife to learn what i didn't want mm. and what i wouldn't put up with and what i was not seeking in a partner or so let me ask you this not not that I mean, I wouldn't change anything about my life, even the stuff that was hard struggle, right? Because it got me and made me the man I am today. Let's right, say, me either. I, I wouldn't change anything because I... Okay, so there's a balance here. So, you know, I think we're losing somewhat of the opportunity to gain wisdom from people who are ahead of us in life. You know, like look at people in their 70s plus. We're putting them in their own communities and we're not listening to them anymore. They have a lot to teach us. So let me balance it with this. You need to live life. The reality is, is like you have to go through experiences to learn. So let's just say you are 22 now and you didn't have to go through the next 10 years and you could learn it from your now self. What would you tell your 22 year old self that's getting ready for life? Is it, hey, you know what? Just go through your 20s and learn a lot, even though it's going to suck. Or would you say, you know what? Here's the mistakes that I would have liked to have dodged. And I think you could still be as far in life as I am today by just listening to what I'm saying versus experiencing it yourself. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, That's uh, tough, I, right? I, no, I would love to. I would love it if I could go back and give my 22 year old self advice. Mm, what would you say to him? Uh, figure out how to love yourself. Figure out how to love yourself because I think that a lot of where my successes come from in life now are that I'm comfortable in my skin. Wow. I'm, I've gotten to a place where, and and this is what I would urge anybody, is delve into who you are and the things that you are not okay with about yourself, your shadows, if you will, and figure out how to be okay in your own skin. Figure out how to be okay with who you are and what you think and don't let society really mold you anymore, but make your own way and let it first come from love a long time ago i heard you know don't 
don't judge your life on what's you know right or wrong because that leaves so much up to judgment Mm. but base it off of love and fear if something if something makes you feel love um, pursue it if something makes you feel fear ask yourself why and and then figure out what your options are you know can you change it can you accept it are you going to remove yourself from it so that you're not affected by it and so you're dropping some bombs right now bro who's heavy good this is good stuff so in the choosing to love yourself let me ask this thought how much of this stuff is that you accepted this is who I am and I'm okay with it and how much of the stuff is I didn't like that about myself so I had to remove it from who I was uh, it's a balance. It's a, it's both, it's, right? It's a, it's a balance. I think there's a lot of parts of me that I learned from, you know, my past where I go, you know, to, to be successful in the future, I'm going to have to give this up. Mm. Um, but there's other things that I wouldn't compromise on. You know, it's like I, I am who I am. I actually had a friend of mine when I first got together with my wife. He said to me, he goes, oh, dude, this is she's the one. And I was like, why? And he's like, because you can finally be you. Ooh. You know, he's like, you're finally you. When she's around, he was like, you're you. You know, you're you're your smart ass, gross, you know, you know, like stinky. Just you're just you. And yeah. and if she loves you for that, he's like, you better not get rid of this one. It's like, and and I kind of thought about that for a while. Is you know what what is love from somebody else? And and so what allowed you to be yourself in this relationship where maybe in the past you hadn't allowed yourself to be you? Um, that's a good one. And maybe there isn't an answer to it. I I think, uh, the biggest portion of it was expectation from both sides. Mm, Uh, you set that in the beginning expectations from myself and, uh, the, the feeling of what expectations she had. I remember my mom, when I was uh, struggling in earlier relationships in my life, she said to me one time, um, you know, if you want to succeed in a relationship, you have to give up all forms of control. And and I thought, you know, at the time, well, what does that mean? You know, okay, so I can't have my way, you know, then I get frustrated. What what can I do to change that? You know, how can I how can I not compromise getting what I want in life, but then give up control. Mm. And, and so I think control is something that people, you know, w- when we lose it, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to control that emotion. You know, when you lose control of something, it, it almost frustrates you. It can send you in a whirlwind of emotions. But when it's, maybe that's the radio dial thing with me. Yeah. You know, when I, when I have that feeling of control, I'm comfortable. And so when you lose that control in a relationship a any situation so did you let go of control a little bit when you when you decided to kind of pursue this that's why i think this relationship you know this marriage is working well for me Hmm. is because you know another thing i've heard is uh if you set up a bunk if you set up a bunch of expectation in life for yourself prepare for disappointment Hmm. you know because Anytime there's expectations, if they're not met, our typical result or our typical reaction is is to be, you know, let down. You know, I had, you know, my my sights set here and then I didn't get my expectation met. So what am I left with? You know, so then what's the difference? Because I agree with that because I think I'm let down a lot because I have expectations about stuff. But how do you then not just coast because you're clearly not just coasting. So how do you still set goals or desire not more, because I don't really like that word either, but you want to grow and progress in life. I got a perfect answer. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, your best is going to change day to day. Your best is going to change day to day. Your best is going to change day to day. So like on my way down here to meet with you, like, you know, I'm coming off of a, a two and a half day uh, stomach bug. You know, I'm going, oh man, this is like, I hope I have energy for this. I hope in the middle of this, I don't just flop, you know, or or, or whatever it is. You know, I hope that I, I can handle this. Yeah. And so when you're sick, as long as you're still doing your best, you know, you, you're not going to look back and regret it. And so I, I've I've told my kids this. I've told my wife this. I've told my friends this. Our our best is going to change day to day. You know, if you're sick, you're not going to do as good as if you're 100% healthy. 
Uh, if you have a good day at work and you tried hard and you can end the day and you're sore, is it because you did your best or do you come home feeling like you know you slacked? Mm. Um, but recognizing that your best will change, always doing your best still makes a difference. It's not setting this one standard of I always have to hit this mark because, let's face it, life's messy. Yeah, uh, It's nearly impossible to be so consistent that you have a hundred percent success rate. Dude, I think that's really, really good because like I'm hyper, like I get up at four ten, and then I go come in here and I like get my work and I go do my workout and stuff. I was sick the last two days and it's like, I woke up at seven because I needed it. Right. But did I give my best for that day? I still gave my best for today, even though I woke up at seven, man, I've been giving it my best since seven. Right. But did I just go through the day disappointed in myself because I didn't get up before seven? Did I feel like I already failed? And that's a wrong expectation. So there's where it goes. It's like, do your best, set goals, go for it, but then also have grace for yourself. Absolutely. Recognizing that, you know, if you're giving it your best, you won't end the day with regret. And if you do have regret, look back and, you know, reflect and go why you know what what was it that's actually something that i was hoping we would touch on about the journal um you know i did the journal for the first month and i made it through about 24 25 days straight dang i did good dude you're a stud that's better than i did and then i fell off all within about a week towards the end of the month i just completely fell off it was like a a wednesday the next thing I know, I picked it up and I was like, wow, I haven't done this in a week. And here comes the end of the month. And here comes, let's, you know, get into this uh, yeah. thing. And that was one of the days that you sent out the, the questions about, you know, what are your kids? Um, ask your kids what they think um, being a dad is, you know, or what what is. Dang. Okay. So for the month of January, we started the Fatherhood Legacy Journal, which you could still get. And then we did 31 days of like text message encouragement for dads. And so one of the questions was ask your kids what they think a dad is. And so you ask your kids this. Yeah. And so this, this was, this was one of the things that to me was, uh, it just, it did allow me to, to step back and go, Hey, I commit. I told myself at the beginning of the month, you know, I wrote down in this book, I'm going to commit to this. Yeah. And, and then when I broke my commitment, I looked back and thought, why? You know, what it, where did I, where did I fail myself? Where did I let myself down? Um, but then, you know, was still able to kind of pick, repick up on it and, and go. And, um, the, the one exercise that we did, you know, with asking the kids, you know, what is, what is my job? What is my role as a father? Um, was, it just came back to be such a hugely beneficial you know, process or, you know, whatever. What'd they say? Well, I took notes on it. Um, and, and this came from, I started with the youngest six year old and said, uh, you know, what is, what is my job? And this was me sitting them all down at the table. And I said, I want you guys to think about it. Um, I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to ask you all the same question. And so, you know, you might have, let me just stop you right there. You took the time to take your three children, stepchildren who you've been in their life for three years and you're like, hey, you know what? I Did you go to work that day? Was this a work day? Okay, so after work, you yep. get home. You're tired. You've been up. You've been working. And you sit them at the table. And they apparently listened and came and sat down. Yeah. So there's some level of respect there where they go, Anthony wants to say something to us. And then you say, what does it, what does it mean to be a dad? Well, yeah, what is, it, what is it that my role in being a dad to you is? Dude, you that's... Know, that's so awesome, bro. Well, and what it came from was, I mean, my household is definitely filled with messy struggles. Yeah. You know, kid fights and arguments and family. Sometimes loud voices and stuff. But uh if we can balance that out with down to earth. That's what my mom called powwows when I was young. Okay. Sit down and have a check-in check in with everybody i mean it was just me and my sister and her but in my case i sit down and if i can utilize utilize this as an opportunity to to hear from my six-year-old and the first thing she says is that 
it's your job to take care of me and it's your job to love me and it's your job to help me read those things are what bring me back to why I do it yeah why do I get out of bed in the morning why do I go to work why am I here and Uh, she's saying that bro not because she's like has the in tuneness to say this is what I wish you were she's saying this is who you are right which is incredible well and then you know the the middle child she's eight reagan she says uh feeding feeding us healthy uh keeping us safe from harm and she used an example of sometimes you come outside and yell at us to stop doing stuff like swinging too high on the swing so we don't get hurt um or sometimes you come out or sometimes at the table you yell at us to have manners and i say well you know i don't know that i'm yelling but you know (laughs) essentially essentially yeah to teach to teach you manners to keep you safe from harm to feed you good food yeah me and my wife are total foodies um we love to make good food we I think a lot of our family life is focused around food because that's the time we have with our kids. And, and, and I don't know. I mean, I knew, I know food is important in our culture right now. There's in a sense, in a sense, but do you guys sit down and eat dinner together? Uh, Every night that we have our kids. Dude, that right there. I think, man, we have this fast paced life, fast pace. What's important and and I get it. It's like, yes, I want my kids to play some sports. And yes, I want my kids to have some stuff. But I don't want every night to just be running around. And the fact that you say that food, I mean, food gives us life. Energy. And not just in the sense of let me put something in my stomach, but to sit, to pause, and to break bread with you and sit with you and talk and do that with your children. Dude. If, if if every household could just have dinner together, our world will look different. Well, a couple I, nights a week. I agree, and that's you know we we don't have our kids full time, but when we do have them, we try and make you know the best of our our time with them because we only have them fifty percent of the time. Right. So. So then, what did the oldest say? Uh, Hayden, the oldest, the boy, which I guess to kind of sidetrack. When it came to, to backtrack, when it came to uh, co-parenting or step-parenting, uh, he was the hardest to reach. He was the hardest to get Because he with. was nine at the time. Eight. Eight, okay. Yep. So fourth, fifth grade, already kind of coming into his own. Right. You know, I'm already, you know, I've got two fifth graders right now, and I've had them, you know, the, the whole life, and there's, you know, a lot of butting of heads in the sense of like, you don't like to be told anything and you aren't thinking when you do things. So there's already this budding to then say, now I've got this new dude here. Right. And so, and then you're managing, I don't want to step on this dude's toes, but I also want to be an engaged parent. So how do I, yeah. So how have you navigated that? That's exactly what I was getting at. Navigating that one was, uh, steering the ship through a damn storm. Mm. Hard we went through our struggles and I had to, that goes back to where, where do I, um, what do I rely on for, for help in fatherhood? And I did some reading. Really? I did did a lot of reading, um, you know, online step parenting, discipline, all the above that I could find. Why did you do that? Because I was struggling. But Uh, why not just be like, screw it? Um, cause kids deserve better than that. They need someone that's willing Dang to educate. Anthony, you and your answers. <laughs> they, it has nothing to do with you. You don't care that it's it's not it's not about you feeling adequate. It's that you want this kid to have an opportunity for his best, right? And, and you play a role in that. I do, and that's you know, and that goes to Stud. answer the questions about what was his response okay. to things. You know, we had a we had a rough start. You know, we had the you're not my dad conversation. Mm-hmm. And I told him, you're right, I'm not your dad and I never will be your dad, but I will be your step parent and I will be a person in your life that you can come to talk to me about whatever you want. You know, I'll be another male role model in your life and I'll always be someone that loves you. 
And so his response in that question of, um, you know, what is my role as a dad was uh, to teach him. And, and so it was teaching me right and wrong, teaching me sports and keeping the house together. Hmm. And I, I asked him, I said, what do you, you know, what is, what is keeping the house together? And he said, well, you fix things that go wrong. You know, you fix stuff that breaks here and, you know, or, or it's like, that's, that's what they see me doing. You know, a, a light goes out in the kitchen and they see me taking it apart and putting a new one up, um, you know, just recently we pulled the basketball hoop back out and there's not a net on it. The net had rotted off. And, you know, even though I was sick the other night, I thought to myself on the way home, I'm going to stop and get a net. And that, you know, I brought the net home, threw it on Hayden's bed, and I didn't think about it again until he got home and he had come walking out holding it. And he's like, thank you. You know, like, thank you for getting this for me. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. And he says, you know, he, genuinely, like, I'm, like, happy about this. Yeah. And, and so it's... It's the little things, man. It is. That add up. They do. It's the light bulb. It's the net. It's the don't swing so high. It's the sit down for dinner. It's... It's that consistently... It's boxing. I just started him in boxing and I've been taking him to his boxing classes and interacting with him more. And, you know, people there are like, oh, yeah, you know, your son's doing real well. And it's like I, I reflect on that. I go, you're right. He is my son and he is doing well. And, you know, we we come home and we talk about it and I go buy him boxing gloves and I hang up a heavy bag for him. And, you know, days that I'm off. I just went to a 410 schedule, so I have Fridays off, Heck which yeah. it's Friday, and I'm off. Um, Saturdays that we have him, I take him to boxing. You know, you're right. Kids need sports. Kids live a fast pace, you know, got to go to school, got to come home, do homework, got to read, got to do math, got to do all these things, and we still have to get a meal in, and we still have a sport, and takes a lot of effort and time but it's all worth it in the end yeah you know you you have the idea of uh, what if one day my kids grow up to marry your kids yeah and i've thought about that you know huge what is what is the child i'm helping to mold and create what are they going to take away as young adults and into their adulthood from mm-hmm. how i raised them and it's not just living in the now trying to create goals for myself or my wife or the family as a whole but constantly struggle or that juggle yeah. of you know intermediate and long-term goals and what we're what our intention is behind those you right know? like you see like you care about who they're becoming and you are living life with the idea of legacy that you're creating humans like you've said it a few times like good people good humans good parents like you realize that life isn't just about you absolutely which we all struggle with but like if we could live more in that life isn't about me life isn't about me right how about me how can we serve yeah how can we serve and you realize that that has an effect so like what is the legacy when you see hayden as a father, when you're at his wedding, you when you're there for him having his first kid, what are the characteristics that you as the stepdad, you as the parent, the other human who's loved him well, what is he taking from what you've given him through your serving him through all these years? I just hope that my kids are passionate. I hope that, and I think that's a lot of where I get my drive for the things I do in life is, is having passion behind them. Mm. You know, what gives you the passion? Why do you, you, you seem to care that it's going to make a difference that I'm not that it's going to, it does. It It makes a difference. I've when you care, it makes a difference. I've proved it over and over and over to myself, you know, that, that manifesting, you know, where you want to be at in life and pushing yourself towards what goals you may have, even if it takes you a long time. A good friend of mine once, you know, told me, 
you know, I've, I've watched you manifest your life into what it is. And I just want to tell you, I want you to recognize that I've witnessed it and I believe you Mm. after all these years, you know, you've, you say, you know, I'm going to have this, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to be this. And then I look at, I look back and go, wow, he wasn't, he, he wasn't just talking. He's actually there. He is that he has that he's doing that. So when and you that's, go ahead, that's what I want the kids to. You know, to that's what that I want passion. the kids to have that that passion. The what we do is important. Like that, what I do is important. I want them to know that. So if some dude's driving or working out or running and he's listening to this and he just is sort of given up on caring or has never really cared, why? What makes you special? What makes you different that you have chosen to care? That's a good one. What would you say to him to be like, you're missing out? It could be, it could be, and I don't want to say the word better or good because it doesn't change the messiness of life, but it's like your view of the mess is different than it doesn't make you a victim. Right. And that's, you know, everyone has a different perspective of what success is in life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had that, that talk about we're insatiable. Humans are insatiable or we're always striving for progress. So if you're the guy that's out running or you're the guy that's out doing weight training or playing your music or, you know, just driving down the road, it's, it goes back to what, what do you want in life and how are you going to get it? How are you going to manifest it? How, how do you think they can get it? Well, I've always I've always thought and over my years have learned that it to set a goal, a goal is nothing without a plan and a plan is nothing without action. And so it takes that action. It takes going to the gym to make that uh plan of getting fit to reach that goal of I'm fit. And action. It takes action. Takes action. And so to make anything worth doing, we have to almost, what do we get out of it? How do we progress? Yeah. What are we, what are we gaining? How are we bettering, bettering ourselves as, you know, a man or, or a human? And, and, um, that's another point. Like a lot of the stuff that you've done with the book and the journal, it's, all geared towards guys yeah you know because that's like you said guys don't get this chance to kind of sit with one another and and just you know hash it out or just have that almost heart to heart or or you know hey this is my vulnerable state and this is what i've learned from it um geez so much of this can just be about humans yeah you know man man women teenager child i mean you know maybe you have to explain it different to a kid so that they understand it in better, simpler terms. But to me, humankind is, you know, all affected. You know, the state in which the world is in, you know, constant chaos. I just think it it would benefit everyone to have that mindset. Yeah, if you take that ownership that what you do matters and you live with taking action that is... Like you said, you said, where, where do you, what do you want out of life? And that's really, man, this is where I came to rebel and create is like, I, as a man, I want to be loved, respected, that I'm leaving a mark on this earth that I matter. And that comes from not when I, what can I get out of everybody around me? Cause that leaves you empty, but how can I serve everything that's been given to me? How can I take care of it? And all of a sudden it's like, I stopped looking outside my home for the feeling of respect, love, desire, honor, leaving a mark. And I said, oh my gosh, like what you're doing, it's all right here. Yeah. It's sitting down and doing homework with my kid. It's getting the net. It's making dinner. It's loving my wife. Like you want to have the biggest impact on the world for thousands of years. Love your wife and your kids. Right. Through serving them. Right. And that's, you know, I, I get, I get so much, um, residual, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, just good feelings from what I do daily Mm, in general, you know, like from my job, you know, I, I said earlier, I work with poop. I work for wastewater. Um, 
you know, I don't have the most smell enjoyable job, but what I do is I serve the public. I make it to where, you know, the, the people that I do serve have a healthier life because I'm making sure the sanitation system works. What's, what's amazing, bro, is you believe that. I don't just believe it. I know it. And, and I can prove it. Yes. Is, is the part. But the thing is, is so many people could look at their job and look at the piece that they're contributing to society. But instead we go, oh, I just do this. And I'm guilty of it, man. Like I sell insurance. Isn't insurance terrible? When, when, it, yes. It's such a necessary evil. But yeah, you're about to have a baby. Like you, it, it's uh, needed. I get it. Hey, I hate how expensive it is and all that stuff. It's messy. Right. But, but you have chosen to look at your life, your job with, and just go, man, it's, what a great opportunity I have to serve people. Yeah. And that's to me, if, you know, don't, don't blow my head up any bigger, but geez, if more people were like me and, and I've had, I've had instances in life where, you know, people have said to me, man, you broke the mold. And it's like, they really broke the mold with you. It's like, well, what do you mean by that? And it's like, I, I feel pretty simple. I don't, I don't want to, you know, be egotistical. I'd rather feel humble in the end of the day. But I really look around at some of the world and I go, man, I just people, I I wish more people would just go out there and be good, be good to each other. Just enjoy it. Yeah, be good and enjoy it. Ah, Recognize how um, fragile life is and, and how much of an impact we have on ourselves, the people around us. Yeah, man. And not to say that you are not special. But based on hearing you talk, you're going, hey, man, I'm an everyday simple dude who's just taken what's been handed to him and made the most out of it. Taken life and made it an opportunity. And I think that you you believe anybody could do that? I do. I think that it just takes that recognition of the fact that everyone has their own strength. And, bro, hang on. I think what it might come down to is something that you said that blew my mind when you said, what would I tell my 22-year-old self is love yourself. Right. And I don't think enough people love themselves. Well, that's that's a big one. It's uh and that's a choice. Like at the end of the day, that's a choice. It's it really is and it's it's hard. It was never it was never easy to recognize that I had self-love hmm. until until I was around like 19. Hmm. About 19 I I realized, you know, like Hey, I am who I am. This is all I get. It's the body I get. It's the mind yeah. I get. This is the life I get. I better be grateful for it. Mm. I came up with an idea. Well, maybe not. Maybe someone else in the world had this idea because I found a book somewhere along the lines that was about the gratitude attitude. Mm. But uh, I I came up with that idea a while back for for times of you know, being sad or being frustrated or, you know, dwelling on, on the negative in life is what, what can we do to change that? And that was have the gratitude attitude. And Hmm. I've I've tried to share this with many people that I come across and it's, um, finding gratitude in, in whatever may be, you know, whether it's happy situation or sad situation, um, things that you can be grateful for, you know, in, in every situation. It's like, I was sick for the last couple of days and it's like, well, what can I be grateful for? I had the chance to relax. You know, what, what else can I be grateful for? I had the chance to watch some good movies. I had the chance to lay on my couch and, and not be at work, yeah. you know, and I had, you know, I can be grateful that I have a good job that allows me to do that. Yeah. That I'm not losing money. Gratitude or, is huge, man. Yeah. And, and so, for those people out there that are, you know, might be struggling with any aspect, the more I come across it in my life as a success, finding gratitude in every situation, find something to be grateful for. Yeah. You know, because there's always something to be grateful for. It's like, even in a struggle, even in the the hardest of struggles, if you can find a side of it that shows gratitude or that you have gratitude about, it'll help you get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I love it, man. We've been talking for an hour about fatherhood, about life. Um, 
such good stuff. And okay, I'll tell you the one thing I definitely learned by spending an hour with you. When you're an old man, you are going to have the most amazing one-liners ever. (laughs) Right now, I already feel like we could fill up like 30 days of uh, Anthony's positive one-liners for life like little nugget bomb drops so you know like the old men who just like have the answer for everything and they just got the one-liner for every situation i just see you holding your beer with like one-liner for every situation possible (laughs) sounds about right huh (laughs) minus the beer part i'm not much of a drinker okay okay then your um, healthy food Whatever, whatever it is. Who knows? <laughs> Your grandkids running around. There you Can't go. Can't wait. There you go. Um, bro, I so appreciate you, man. You, you've had my uh, my eyes welled up with water a couple times today. I love that uh, just even to sit down with another dude who cares about his wife and his kids. And there's dudes listening to this who I know do as well and others who are struggling. And I hope you freaking go home and, and engage and be intentional with this one life that you have. Anthony, thank you for the way that you love your wife and your kids, the way that you love people, the way that you serve. Every opportunity has been given to you, and I'm so excited that you're about to have um, a son to add to your brood. Me uh, too. In in just just weeks away, I just get to carry on my last name. When we found out that it was a boy, I was so excited because yeah. I called my dad and said, "Well, our last name doesn't die," oh, and that dude. was that was huge for me. Yeah, but um, I'm looking forward to it. It's Every day closer gets me that much more nervous, but yeah, excited and nervous. Both. <laughs> well, dude, congratulations. Thank you for taking time to be on the podcast. And Thanks I so appreciate me. your vulnerability to share your life with others. Seriously, this guy had the best one liners. I felt like I should just write them down and put them on my calendar and each day read a quote by Anthony because he just had these perfect one-liners to questions that I had that weren't just made up crap. They were things that are really inside him, the way that he sees the world and his joy for life just really rubbed off on me in such a positive way to go, man, I want to enjoy my job. I want to enjoy my wife. I want to enjoy my kids. And not that he at any moment said that it wasn't messy or difficult or that he had to be fully engaged because, hey, that's real life and you and I both know it. But to choose joy and to choose to be intentional with all the opportunities that are before us, us dads have a huge role, a huge responsibility to bring life into our homes. And I true, truly believe that Anthony is one of those dudes, one of those dads who is doing his utmost to do that every day. So thank you to Anthony and thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Do not be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in the craft of fatherhood. And please, if you like this episode or another one, share it with a friend. Awkwardly send it to them saying, hey, I think you should listen to this and that you'll like it. And or please go follow us on Instagram, Facebook. It helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. And if you can take a moment to write a review and rate this podcast, it helps put it at the top when people are searching for parenting and fatherhood. And when dudes are out there looking for real conversation to engage in that will help them be better dads, it helps with that. So thank you. Go out and be the father you were designed to be. Oh, 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 oh,